the WTF1 post-race podcast. Hello and welcome back to the WTF1 post-race podcast with myself, Harry Benjamin and Callan O'Keefe. The last post-race podcast of the year. We've made it to the end of the longest season in Formula One history so far. And Abu Dhabi was boring as Callan. Well, I think the most exciting thing that I saw the entire weekend was there was a, a fight at the W on Sunday night after. It's not that we can do violence on this podcast, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't exactly a thriller. Max Verstappen romping away to take a 17.9 second victory. That's huge. That's just, but it kind of tells the, the story of the season, doesn't it really? I'm sorry. There was a fight at one of the posh hotels during the race. <laughs> so I wasn't there. I just, I saw a video, again, this is, this is, you know, we're doing the expert reporting here, the people, stuff <laughs> yeah. that people want to know. Taking yeah, there behind was, the scenes. Exactly. There was, there was quite a big fight on the, uh, the Sunday night of the W overlooking, ah, oh, is it turn? I always get the corner numbers confused because we use the support lane. Is it, is it lane the numbers. hotel, co- is that the hotel complex? It's the is hotel it like complex. 12, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the first right, you know, you have the, the triple right and then the two lefts under the yeah, hotel yeah, overlooking yeah. their beautiful backdrop. And then it escalated into like a 15 person brawl. It was madness. Um, but again, probably some some pent up frustration from people not getting the show that they really wanted. Who knows? <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the show we all wanted. I mean, Leclerc was able to to take it to Verstappen for maybe half a lap, one lap, two laps. Um, and at one point, I, I remember getting a little bit excited, thinking, "Oh, this this could be a fight here." Ultimately, that didn't prevail. But in a weekend, actually in the build-up, Verstappen and Red Bull didn't look like they were on it. You know, they, they, the car was struggling with a lot of bouncing during practice and qualifying. And it was one of those weekends where everyone felt kind of even. Like, once again, qualifying, at least, was super tight. And that's one thing we've seen this year. The qualifying margins have been fairly small. Yeah, it's it's almost like obviously the cars go into Park Ferme after qualifying, so you kind of have to set your race car up in qualifying. And, and there is a, a because of the way Formula One works and the regulations, there is a, a massive compromise between your race car and your qualifying car. But obviously, teams are balancing that um, that compromise because having track position makes a big difference, so that you're not following cars, destroying your tires. You can you know have preference on strategy, and it just seems like they have such a performance advantage that they can almost detriment themselves in qualifying to maximize the race still get the track position still take pole and disappear off into the distance so yeah as you said it it didn't look like they were super super strong but come race trim they were just untouchable and we even saw that with Perez as well he didn't didn't get the qualifying we all thought he was going to have he got his his last lap taken away with track limits and but then in the race he kind of carved back through the field and you know he didn't have the pace of Verstappen but he was certainly the the next best car wasn't he he was, and, and he did carve his way through the field. But once again, Perez having a little bit of contact with another car. Um, what did you make of, of the Lando Norris incident? Because, I mean, the fallout since, I mean, Norris has said, oh, I was literally letting him through and he still managed to like bump into me. Perez got a five-second time penalty for it, which did prove kind of uh, a, a bit of entertainment at the end when the battle between Leclerc and Russell for, for second in the constructors between Mercedes and for, for Ferrari, both of them utilizing Perez's five-second time penalty to try and influence that. But I mean, Perez looked like he was the faster car anyway. He was going to get that move done, and it just—it just seemed to me a bit clumsy. 
Yeah, clumsy is the word I would use. I mean, as a driver, you have to, if you're passing, so especially when you're in a faster car, you got the DRS, you're coming into a big braking zone, you have to you have to get the move done on the brakes. And what Sergio did is he kind of braked a bit early, lingered, released the brake, and then kind of just drove past the corner. You, you have to draw level on the brakes or get slightly ahead. Focus on getting the car stopped in the straight phase, claim the apex, get it stopped there, you know, hold the, the position, and then you can kind of compromise their momentum and, and hold on to it. But... Yeah, he kind of braked a bit early and then realized he braked a bit early and then rolled off the brake to try and compensate for that to get alongside. And then obviously, if you do that, you're not decelerating the car and you're on the edge of locking up. And it, yeah, it was just, it was just clumsy. And actually, when he eventually did get past Lando a lap later or so, whenever it was, he, um, he did the same thing again. He was a bit early on the brakes and it, he managed to actually stop it at the apex and get to the inside curb. But it was, if it was anyone else, I think it probably would have been a, a really similar incident again. I think Lando kind of knew that the same thing was going to happen again and, and actually fully let him through. But yeah, it kind of, again, uh, you, you want to talk about like a, an end of season um, summary. It kind of sums up his year. It's like the potential's there, but it's just it's just missing that last 2-3% of execution, isn't it? Yeah, it, it it did feel like it was just you you had that in the bag, mate. Just could have could have budged your time for the next DRS zone, and then you would probably would have got him. Um, there was a bit of a close call um, between Alonso and Hamilton, and at the time, it looked like Alonso was brake testing Hamilton coming into uh, the left hander of turn five. Where now, when I saw that originally, I thought. My first thing was Alonso's forgotten they've removed the chicane because that's where the chicane was originally, and he and he he put his foot on the brake where you would where you would brake for the chicane, and I was like, "What's he doing? He's got that completely wrong." No, it looked dodgy at the time, but then it was really to try and get the DRS line, which we've seen people do before. But I mean, that's that's a that's a that's a scary risk to take, though, isn't it? If you're the leading driver, I'm surprised he didn't get a bit of a slap on the wrist for it. Well, you know, Fernando is is getting old now. Obviously, we do expect his little memory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the rookie of the year, Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Um, no, he, yeah, I mean, at that point as well, Fernando had a a car that was just struggling in a straight line, and he was just trying to get inventive, trying to fight. You know, Fernando's a fighter; he's a crafty racer, and and in all fairness to him, he does veer off to the right to. He, if if someone's going to make a pass into five, the, the you know the long left hander before the long back straight, you do expect them to make it on the inside. Hamilton had the run; he he jinks away, and it is possible to kind of well you you anticipate the fact that obviously yeah he's gone to the right, you go left because you're committing to the pass. But everyone now in Formula One is wise to the fact that you don't want to take the DRS too early. So Hamilton's probably got the same thing as well. He's tucked up in the slipstream, probably also you know using this as an opportunity to save a bit of fuel or whatever. He sees Alonso go, he'll follow where the car goes, and then all of a sudden it's it's a bit of a scary incident, isn't it? But it's it's kind of the problem, isn't it, with the DRS being so powerful. If a car has a massive straight line advantage, then you're a bit helpless and you have to get inventive to hang on to the position. And yeah, I it again, Fernando trying to to outsmart Lewis. We've been seeing that for however many years now. And uh, unfortunately it didn't work. It really didn't work for him. <laughs> And it was actually a bit of a miserable race for Hamilton overall. Just did not have the pace. Just did not like that car this weekend compared to his teammate Russell, who who was keeping the battle alive for second in the constructors. That was kind of the things we were clinging on to in this final weekend. That battle for second between Mercedes and Ferrari. Just four points separating them coming into this weekend. And 
it really, it was 1v1 because Hamilton and Sainz were both well out of the picture. They, Sainz had a shock over the weekend. So it was Leclerc v. Russell, 1v1. Leclerc had the advantage. And then you had Perez coming at them in the final closing stage of the race. He got Russell. Next up was Leclerc. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Leclerc was trying to think sort of big brain strategy call here. And, and it took me a while to understand what he was doing. And it kind of reminded me of what, you know, we were used to signs seeing and sort of taking the strategy into his own hands. So it's quite cool, like interesting to see this from Leclerc's cockpit. So he was uh, going to let Russell uh, Perez through, who had the five second time penalty, to hopefully then get back onto the podium, but keep Russell at bay. And, and the points would, would, would work themselves out and the Ferrari would be able to get more points. But it didn't really work because Leclerc really would have had to have slowed Russell down, which he didn't do. And and I suppose that's good sportsmanship from him. Was it 2016 when Rosberg won the championship at Abu Dhabi where we were watching Hamilton back him up? He needed, we needed another performance like that, really. That was the only mm. way of saving it. But the thing that I find so exceptional is you've got these drivers driving around at 320-odd kilometers an hour on the limit of these, these amazing machines discussing strategy and working out the points from the car. Can we take a second to appreciate how phenomenal that is that actually in the moment you're able to analyze the situation, understand where the situation is, and then come up with a, a an amazing big brain move as a last you know last ditch attempt because obviously there's there's a lot of money on the line for for second in the constructors. It's around about 10 million, I think it is, something like that. So yeah. it's 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 big money. Um how how exceptional the and smart these drivers are is crazy. Obviously, as you said, it didn't really, it was to no avail. Um, but yeah, it was, it was actually quite a clever strategy. Again, probably needed to do something a little bit borderline in terms of sportsmanship to get it done, but at least he gave Literally, him a chance. You know? Break Tess Russell. <laughs> yeah. Then they would have got it because, uh, yeah, they, they really, both teams have one hand tied behind their back, really, for the race, which was interesting. Hamilton not happy, signs again. Not good. Um, but Mercedes did clinch second in the constructors in the end, and that is about $9, $10 million extra. Also, it means it has implications further, though, for the wind tunnel time for, for next season, and, and they get less now because they finished in second compared to Ferrari. You get a little bit more percentage time. Uh, but also team bonuses and stuff can d- depend for those literally working back at the factory or in the back of the garage. They can get a bit of a bonus if depending on where their team finishes. So if, if Mercedes finished second, suddenly there's a lot of people that get a bit of extra money, which goes towards you know mortgages, school fees, et cetera. And crucially, that's not actually included in the cost cap. So that's that's worth noting. So there was big, big factors on the line here. Um, another battle that we were absolutely absorbed by was the battle for seventh in the constructors williams and alpha towery and alpha towery bringing upgrades to the very end they are that car is the most upgraded car from the season and yuki sonoda doing his bit for franz tost in his final race for alpha towery as team principal leading the race the, the second ever japanese driver to lead a race in f1 unfortunately he didn't score the points needed to overhaul uh, Williams because they went for a one-stop, which I think was a mistake. They should have done a two-stop, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. But what a race for Sinoda. Driver of the day as well, and I think that was well-earned. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Yuki always delivers. I think he was motivated by the fact that it means that he can eat more food because now it's the end of the season. He was like, I need I need to lay it all on the line now. We know how much Yuki loves the hospitality. And he was probably thinking about the fact that if, if they got a little bit more money, there's probably a little bit of hospitality budget in there as well, you know. So he was he was fully motivated. He was ready to go. Unfortunately, as you said, again, didn't really come to the the result. But what a what a great weekend for him as well. Kind of going into the winter as well, really staking his claim to say well you know you, you brought in this other guy alongside me to test whether or not i'm up to the level that you want with daniel ricardo i am let me lead this team and you know i, I think if yuki continues to perform like that it's going to open up a lot of doors in the future um just nice to see him finish on a high note as you said franz tost is is bowing out of formula one he's been really instrumental in a lot of the young red bull drivers careers and what a lovely way to send him off to uh go and do some gardening or whatever it is that he's off to do now yeah and he wiped the floor with ricardo just yeah saying. he really did didn't he he just really did. And, that, and and abu dhabi is a place that ricardo traditionally could be you know is really quite strong at big breaking zones we know how strong danny is on the brakes and yeah it was it was a really strong performance really really strong performance that's going to give him a lot of confidence going into the winter i think it, it, absolutely. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough for AlphaTauri to take seventh and the extra prize money that comes with it, but a good end to the year for them, which sees them hopefully looking strong at the start for 2024. Williams clinched seventh, and they are the only team on the grid with uh, an unconfirmed driver lineup yet. Only Albon confirmed. Sargent's um, not confirmed after his rookie season yet. I, I I still can't read this one. My gut feeling is that they will keep him, but I, there, there is still that little bit of doubt because, okay, the sixth place in Vegas was good for qualifying at least, but he, he just hasn't looked like a superstar really in race trim. I, so I, again, I get all my statistics from other people and I can't remember exactly who it was, but someone did the, the um, the final, (laughs) I'm not very good with numbers, but if this is correct, the, the final, um, Grand Prix Formula One crash damage of the year award went to him. He did about $4.2 million worth of damage, which was about 600 K more than the next best driver who I can't remember who it was because like I said, I'm terrible with numbers. But that kind of popped out to me and the importance in modern day Formula One of not crashing the car because of the, the cost implications. The, what, what did you make of that radio message from James Vowles at the end there? Because I, it was like, a, well, you know, thank you for everything. We've really seen your improvement and we can't wait to build with you. But I just got this undertone of it was kind of like a farewell. It's like, we can't wait to build with you as a reserve driver if we yeah. can find someone who has equally as much money, say, Frederick Vesti, for example, maybe just throwing a name out there, um, you know, who, Demon, who did a great job this weekend taking the fight to poor chair for the F2 title. He really showed, he, you know, he, he came into the weekend miles off. He won the sprint race, finished third from ninth, I think it was, in the feature race. He really demonstrated that actually he's he's kind of ready for that next step. So what, what do you do now if you're Williams? I I agree. I got the same undertone. At first, on on face level, that, that team radio message sergeant did feel like are we, they're going to keep him around for next year. But also I immediately thought, are oh, they want to, it sounds like they want to keep him a part of the Williams family. Exactly. And, and either if it's a reserve role or going off to another championship and, and just being a, a cause he was like, he's the first Academy driver for Williams that they've, they've seen through into formula one. Right. So, yeah. and Williams are now building a sort of a bit of Academy. They got Franco Colapinto, Zacco Sullivan, coming up through the ranks is sort of 
their first proper ones that they're building from F3 level. Sargent kind of joined Williams when he was in a bit of trouble and, and they took a punt on him and, and then developed him. I, I Val said on, on an in, in an interview, I think we, we're not in a position to confirm Logan yet, you know, and I think they're going to look at all the data from, from this season and see how relative his improvement has been. There's, there's been at times where Albon has had more new bits on the car and Logan hasn't. So how do you, how do you divvy that up and take that into account? But I don't know. If he does get that seat, it'll be the first time ever, I think, in F1 history where the same driver lineups have finished the season as will then start the following. So there's a little stat for you. But I don't know. I just Part of me kind of wants Vesti in there because I think... Well, I, part of me actually thinks Porcher deserves a seat because he's the F2 champion and it's shocker that, that they don't get an automatic promotion. But Vesti's backed by Mercedes. Could there be a deal there to be done uh, with power units supplying, bit of cash thrown Williams' way to get Vesti in the seat? Yeah, you just don't know, do you? And I, actually going back to that F2 statistic, it's, I think the last time the F2 champion gained promotion to Formula 1 was George Russell. Am I correct in saying that? As in, like straight away, having been straight champion. away, yeah, yeah. I think that was the because that was a big year because it was Russell, Leclerc, Albon, yeah, it all, was, and Nor- it was... Norris, all in the same year, right? So, yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, Piastri did get to F one in the end, but had to have a year out. Um, I, I just, I, I, it, I get it, it, it doesn't make. I was, I was having dinner with someone after the race, and we were talking about. It. He's also a racing driver. He was a, a factory driver in GTs, and still racing as well. Very, we actually started karting together and and bumped into each other at the race weekend, and we were talking about this, and we were we were talking about the idea of making junior single seaters like a professional drive effectively. So you you have Formula One teams trickling money down, kind of similar to what they're doing in F1 Academy, where you have mm. a driver that will race for Prema, for example, as a Mercedes junior, and they'll earn a salary and they'll be able to win. And if you win, you get an automatic funded drive in, into Formula One. And we were, we were, we spent, must have spent 45 minutes, an hour, sat at dinner, just trying to hash out how we'd make this work because it, it's just ludicrous that you spend probably by the time you spent two or three years in F2, you spent like $7 million trying to get to Formula One. You win it. And then it's like, oh, well, good job. Um, can I interest you in a trip to Japan or IndyCar or something? And and if you're lucky, maybe when there's a seat, you come through. And, you know, you only have to look at the level of, of talent. We had a load of young drivers jumping in for FP1, Drogovic P2, off the bat straight away. You know, there needs to be a space for these young drivers coming through because – it's clear that there's a lot of natural ability, but if there's no space for them, I mean, we have, we've had this chat so many times over the course of the year, but it is, it's, it's interesting, right? Because it's a balance between letting people develop, but also making sure that the the right drivers get the right opportunity. And I'd like to see someone from, from F2 this year, take a step. The level's been high. The drivers who finished in the top three have, have kind of, well, the top two, especially Vesti and Porsche, they've kind of proven that they deserve a shot. So now it's down to the the powers that be to find them, find them a seat and give them their opportunity, isn't it, really? Two extra teams and an extra car for every team. Sorted. Easy. 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 Could you I imagine the battle through the field as well? Oh, it would be so good. It would never happen, but it would be so good. <laughs> it would be so I good. <laughs> I suppose the other thing for Williams is, you know, if they do take a Vestia or an F2er, that's another year sort of risking it for a rookie. And, and do they want to do that? You know, look at the Haas route they tried it for a couple of years with rookies cost them an awful lot of money didn't pay off 
and and now they they've kind of got they've got two experienced hands who can score points when they can and aren't bidding the car every not that not that I don't think Sargent's been particularly crash heavy but um, I mean it sounds like he's cost the team a lot of money he's and been particularly crash heavy he really has been it's not since the middle of the season but if you you look at Zanford for example every time oh, he was Zan- in a good yeah, yeah. Zanford you know, was bad. He, he had that middle of the season slump where he just kept he just kept firing the car into the back every time but he was in a good was position. Fast in Zandvoort though, wasn't he? Yeah, but it doesn't matter if you put the car in the barriers and do more damage. You've got to get the results. It's a balance. Yeah. I think that's, also, that's the how much thing, money is he bringing? Does that outweigh his crash damage? You know, well, this is this not. is the thing that I was going to say. You know, I think unfortunately it's going to come down to probably if he can match the level of investment of the others. Or it's it's going to the, the reason they probably left it open is because it's going to become a war for investment. It's going to be well which you've got a driver with experience that balances out here. But if this driver has more potential, but has more money as well, then it's a no brainer to take on the driver that has more money because it's a development project as well. You say, well, you have three years worth of funding. I'm not sure what, what Sargent's funding situation is, but unfortunately when you're, you're fighting for a seat, there is an element of that. The drivers that are coming through on the Williams Academy are are well-funded as well. They, they all have good personal backing. So, you know, you need to differentiate yourself to justify the seat either through results or off track and yeah, I think that's that's probably where Logan they're hanging on to see because he's he's not got that last little bit. He's not really staked his claim as, as one of the rook standout rookies that have come through. So now it's going to come down to what happens off track. I think to as to whether or not he keeps the seat. Yeah, I bet you by the time this is released, we'll find out after that long debate about Sergeant. <laughs> well, hopefully, what we said makes sense. That's all that counts. <laughs> yeah. At the time of recording, he's still unconfirmed. Uh, I'll exactly. tell you who's not going anywhere anytime soon. Max Verstappen. I mean, let's just reflect on him for a minute. 19. Max, Max, Max Super, Max, Max. So, sorry, I just, I've had that stuck in my head the entire weekend. No, 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 I just thought nice, I'd give that to nice, everyone else. It's a nice undertone because he is Super Max. 19 <laughs> wins this season. He, he's broken all the records, set new ones. And I mean, the car is obviously fantastic, but as displayed between the difference between Verstappen and Perez, I know perhaps the car has gone slightly more towards Verstappen with the way it's being set up and, and parts that are being brought to the car. But Verstappen is a uh, is the, the driver of this generation, isn't he? He's one of the he, certainly the driver of this generation, and he's he has to go down as one of the all time greats just for the season alone. I mean, mm. it's ridiculous. And the thing that I find really really impressive again is is the kind of like psyche when drivers race, right? Like, do you have respect? Well, use Lando Norris as an example. Paris Paris steams down the inside. Norris is effectively going. Well, you're in a faster car, so I'm going to I'm not I'm not going to give it up completely. But I'm it's yours. Take it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. going to fight crazily hard for it. And there was there was two, maybe three opportunities on that first lap where Leclerc could have taken the lead. Turn one, you know, there was a, there was probably an opportunity to turn five as well, and there was an opportunity to turn six as well down the end of the back straight. And all the times he got alongside, he never had the confidence to draw level and outbreak Verstappen. He he kind of like ah, I'm going to fight, but I'm not really confident to beat you. And I think that's that kind of shows how well Max done. He's almost broken the other drivers on the grid to the point where they won't take risk around him because they know it's it's not worth it. You're going to win the race. It's not worth me risking my front wing or, you know, risking you turning in because you don't care because you're the, you know, the hardest driver on the grid. It's I'm, I'm going to try. And if it works out great, and if it doesn't, well, it's been nice and I'm going to come out and everyone's going to be like, Oh, you got close to Max Verstappen, didn't you? So yeah, it's, he's just, he's just been untouchable this year. And every time, you know, there was, there was one weekend in Singapore where and in the, the, let's call it the traditional Grand Prix format, he was beaten. 
the car wasn't there. It was really bad. But the rest of the year, he's just looked superb. And it also, for me, watching him trackside in Abu Dhabi, you really saw why he makes the difference. Because you had Jake Dennis jump in the car in free practice one and Isaac Hajar, the rookie side of things. And the car didn't look as planted when Dennis and Hajar were driving it. But then when Max jumped back in the car, you just see the car completely transform. You see how in control he is and and his his millimeter precision and his confidence. And it, honestly, it's it's been a joy to watch. Maybe not the most exciting, but to be able to witness a track side has been a real privilege. And I hope someone can take the fight to him next year. But it's it's great to see someone really up the level of our sport, I think. You sum it up really nicely. I mean, unfortunately, the the... The, the the bad outcome of this is it can lead to some boring races, but now it's on it's on the, those behind to catch up. You know the field is actually pretty tight behind Red Bull, so let's pray and hope and beg and yeah. borrow that it is slightly closer for at least the battle for the win. Because I mean, you and I, Callan, can get excited about a, ball- a battle for seventh, but. I can understand on the grand scheme of things, it's not the most riveting thing in the world. The stakes aren't quite as high. Um, So that was Abu Dhabi, done and dusted, and F1 2023 done and dusted, which means we've got to do our final WTF1 podium of the year, our star performer, worst performer, and our biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix. Shall I start? Do you want me to start with... Yes, please, please. So my star performer has to go to... Yuki Sonoda. I just, I'm going to say, I'm a Yuki Sonoda fan. I like the guy. I want him to do well. And seeing him lead a race for as long as he did, with genuine pace as well. I know he got the lead because of pit stop strategy. But without that um, one stop strategy, I think, I think Sonoda could have got a P6. I think there was something there for that. So uh, Sonoda's my star of the weekend. What about you? Yours. I would say the same, but I want to be different because that's how we operate. We don't want to. Absolutely. We don't want to be the same. No, I think no. honourable mention to Leclerc as well. I think he did a great job. Kind of, he showed the pace difference compared to signs. I think he made the difference this weekend. But my my star performer has to be Max. You know, yeah. missed FP one. They looked not up against it, but they didn't look as comfortable. And then the race, he just dominated, drove away. As I said, watching him trackside was was really impressive this weekend so yeah he was he was my star performer yep worst uh toss up here i'm i want to say sergio perez because i think that he was just clumsy <laughs> and he wasn't great in qualifying and he wasn't great in qualifying yeah, but he, okay, okay. So I want to say, they just hear me. I want to say Sergio Perez because his qualifying performance was dire. He was off the pace. He got yeah. his lap time to lead for track limits and then he was clumsy in the race coming back through. But I don't think, I, I think he was just slightly pipped by Carlos Sainz. Yeah. Because yeah, for me, I, Sainz was, was further off. Again, had an even worse qualifying and then just didn't really do anything in the race by his own admittance you know he said after the race he said like the last two races have just been dire and i need to find a solution to kind of answer charles's pace so if he's admitting it he can have it i like carlos i hope he comes back strong you know i've been a i've been a fan of all the good stuff he's done this year but unfortunately the last two weekends he just hasn't really been there compared to charles no and and he that, that poor weekend meant he lost fourth in the in the drivers championship fifth and and sixth i think he lost three positions in that one race yeah, and, and also cost ferrari as well he, yeah he did if he'd been in the points they they would have they would have got second so it's a bit yeah. of a bit of a damp note to end on the signs which is a shame the one other guy outside of red bull to win a race this year 
I'm going to go for Signs as well because, I mean, Hamilton had a bit of a dire weekend compared to his teammate, but Signs out in Q1. It was saying this, that, and the other about traffic and being impeded. I didn't see any of that. So I, I'm Classic naturally. Carlos moaning about Sorry, traffic. Carlos. <laughs> um, so he's my worst performer. My surprise performer is um, uh, the McLarens because I honestly thought they would – I think they were a bit surprised as well. I thought they might have had the pace for a podium, but neither McLaren there. And Norris, you know, uh, he needs to cut out some mistakes because those, he was on for a front row start in qualifying if he hadn't have lost lost the rear coming through the hotel. That section. was a proper save, though. Like, yeah. that, if, if you have style. a moment, it's massively off camber there and obviously quite high speed. So if you have a moment as you turn into the second left, it's normally spells disaster. And, you know, he, he cut out the mistakes, but fair play for hanging on to it, I think. Yeah, but overall, my surprise was the McLarens. I thought they would have a yeah. bit more race pace, but they didn't. What about you? My my surprise was was Sonoda. I think he needs another mention because I, it, if someone would have said to you again before the Grand Prix, we're going to have Yuki Sonoda leading, fighting, racing the way you know, I I would have given him star performer. But I think yeah, it was a surprise for me to see him do as well as he did. He deserves that second mention, and yeah, I think that that kind of tops off what has been a lovely Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and a great season of Formula One for many different reasons other than Max Verstappen domination. Absolutely. That is our final WTF1 podium of the year. Callan O'Keefe, Harry Benjamin have been with you. Thank you for being with us. Um, Okay, getting emotional now. Uh, We'll be back for one more next week for a season of you. Don't, should we should we find a way to do some other stuff and get some some bits together and maybe you know uh, draw upon some virtual racing for I don't know I don't know Harry we need we need to get inventive and we need to think of some stuff to do over the winter. Yeah, that's true because although everyone wants wants a long break, people do get bored very quickly. So well, well, you've got I, a sim, I think- haven't you? I need to get a simulator really so I can race you. Well, what's I, I think giving the people at home something to focus on over the winter. I mean, we've got F1 Esports, that's on at the moment. So if you like yeah. virtual racing, give that a little watch. Um, feeder series are now done. There will be some racing with F4 and, and Formula Regional and stuff like that in the UAE over the, the January, Sports February time. Pretty, pretty early Sports as well. Sports cars start pretty soon. So I, I think it's, it's in our best interest. I know this is a Formula One post-race podcast, but in the interest of giving the fans what they want and clean racing action, go looking, go, go diversify, <laughs> go look at some sports cars, go look at some esports, and, and, you know, let us know when you come back with all the, you know, all the fans in the community. If you guys can encourage the stuff that you love watching, maybe we can keep each other occupied over the, uh, the winter break and keep everyone's uh, race addiction fueled. Callan O'Keefe, man of the people. There we go. Um, that's it we're done for for this week's show we'll be back next week for a full season review with some special guests before we call it a day for 2023 uh we'll see you next time in the meantime make sure you follow and subscribe to wtf1 across all the social medias and the youtube channel and we'll see you next week for the season review bye-bye